You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Thunder Quack Perfect 10. Uh, I am your host, Michael Cohen. Uh, this is going to be a very short intro because as you might be able to tell from my voice, uh, I am just getting over a chest cold and uh, yeah, uh, today is actually the first day that I've actually uh, been, been able to uh, speak properly. So um, I'm I'm just recording this intro and I, I just, just popping in to say, uh, obviously, uh, thank you guys for listening and, uh, uh, I'm really excited about this one. Um, this one came together real quick. I, I, the scheduling and stuff has been difficult as always. This is the, the, the thing about having guests on a show, having a show that relies on having guests, I should say, um, is that, I I like sometimes the schedules don't go the way that you want them to and people get busy. Uh, but thankfully I've got awesome friends like Marty, uh, who can jump in at a moment's notice and just talk with me for, uh, basically an hour and a half about Terminator two, just there it is. Um, so, uh, so this is a great one. This is a really great conversation that we had about Terminator two and the whole Terminator franchise. Um, so yeah, look forward to that conversation in a minute. And, uh, and uh, and again, just just a huge thanks to to Marty Alleman who uh, who came in like real short notice, and and banged this one out with me last week. Um and I, uh, I yeah well I man we'll we'll have next month we'll have uh ooh, I actually don't know, I don't know um I know I know what's coming in May, I do know what's coming in May. Uh, and I've got a few other ones lined up for later on in the year, uh, May, June, and August all have episodes, um, scheduled. So, um, so look forward to those. I, I, but, uh, and they, and they actually all coincide with some cool releases happening over the course of the summer. So, um, so look forward to that and, uh, you'll see some teases sort of as we get closer. Um, but, uh, but for now, here is uh, my conversation with Marty uh, from Not Another Movie Podcast, and uh, we're talking about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, let's get into it. Okay, here we are. Let's get into uh, Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Uh, really excited to talk about this one. We're we're on our second James Cameron movie, and we haven't even covered a Lucas or a Spielberg yet, which I think is a little bit ridiculous. When I started this podcast, that was not the expectation, but uh, uh, but it's not my choice. It's a, it's the choice of the guest. That's one of the what's that's one of the wonderful uh, uh, surprises that I get whenever I do this podcast, and uh, and on this episode. Uh, I've got, uh, listen, one of my favorite people 
I don't get to talk to him as much as I would like to. And it's been a very long time since we've recorded a podcast together. We've already been talking for almost an hour before we've even started this part of it. I, I, because we just needed to catch up and talk about things. Uh, and that is uh, my good friend, Marty Alleman from the Not Another Movie podcast, one of the hosts of that, um, which is a, a fairly new podcast, right, Marty? Fairly new, yes. We've, fairly uh... new. Uh, you're finally, you're finally doing it. We've talked a lot of, a million times about podcasting, and I know that it's something that you've really wanted to do. So the fact that you're doing it now is really great. That's a, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's a, uh, thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. been, uh, it's been fun. I've, I guess, graduated from, uh, editing audio beds for you to finally recording my own podcast show yeah. and f- finally meaning that we have some time to actually do it because I think we have a, a grand total of 12 episodes and the last episode came out in September. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're we're it, we're, we're yeah. on hiatus, but we're we're still planning on having more episodes come out. So right out of the gate, I'm telling you, we're gonna have some more episodes coming out soon. It's um it's tough. Podcasting is tough. It's not an easy thing to do, and uh, and the people who stick with it um are either uh, wildly successful or completely insane. So I'll let you guys decide. Uh, it'll be 15 years this August for me. So I'll let you decide which of those two I am. Um, I, and, uh, I still have a day job that I maintain, so that might be your hint, but, I, uh, I, but yeah, man, I, every time that we talk, every time that we manage to get together and chat about stuff, it's always fantastic. And it's always one of those moments that I have of like, I don't know why we don't do this more often. And then I remember you've got kids, I've got kids. That's why it's taken us this long to do it. But, but we, uh, we've always stayed connected. And for those who don't know, if you don't listen to any of the star Wars podcasts, Marty has done a lot of awesome stuff for us over the years. Um, like he said, the, the audio beds and stuff, he's done a lot of like, like our, our, like, uh, segment transitions and like mailbag and, and that sort of thing. Um, so his voice might be a little bit familiar if you've been listening to, if you listen to front lines back in the day, <laughs> or if you listen to rebel cells, I. Uh, uh, you may have heard him from time to time. Uh, we changed the format up, and so we we're not really using the audio transitions this season. But because uh, we're not doing the recap as it as it was, and really not doing mailbag either. So, I uh, or we're not doing mailbag at all. <laughs> That's okay. I have no time to record any new ones anyway. <laughs> yeah, people would have to email us in order for us to do a mailbag, and I just don't think that that's how podcasts work that often anymore. I don't know. Um, I don't hear a lot of mailbags on the podcast that I listen to either. So, um, anyways, I, I, it's good that we were able to, on incredibly short notice, put this one together. Uh, and so I just watched like literally, um, 15 minutes after we were supposed to start recording, I was still finishing, uh, rewatching Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, uh, because this came together basically like, I don't know, when did I message you? Like on the weekend? Like on I think about Saturday? 36 hours ago. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it Monday. Um, so I, but, but here's the thing. This one's a no brainer, guys. This one's of all of the stuff that we've covered so far. Uh, Cause what have we done? We did. I mean, Ghostbusters is also a no brainer. Me and Joe talking about totally. Ghostbusters made perfect sense. That's why it's the first episode. 
Tyler bringing uh, the Transformers, the movie, the soundtrack was a, was a great curveball right for the second episode. That was a but fun then, one. Then we get into some weirder stuff. We get into, um, uh, uh, why can't I, Laura Olympus uh, with, with Marie Claire on our, on the third episode. And then we did a night's tale with Ty. Uh, and then I, and then did I miss a month? I feel like I missed a month. And then we came back with avatar with Daniel. Is there an episode in there that I'm forgetting? Um, or I remember that, no, most I recently you did uh, Scott Pilgrim. And then we just, and then we did Scott Pilgrim, uh, and then, uh, and then Roman Holiday. So it's like a lot of those are actually like there's a good argument to be made that maybe they're not a perfect ten for you. Like, like if somebody said to me that Scott Pilgrim isn't their cup of tea, I'd be like, that's totally understandable. It is very much up a certain alley, and if it's not your alley, then it's probably not a perfect ten. But here we are, and we're going to talk about Terminator Two: Judgment Day uh inarguably the best terminator movie and i i terminator arguably one of the better franchises out there right um i now i mean like mileage varies but we'll get into that um (laughs) yes before we get too far down this road can you uh humor me and explain to the audience for those who maybe are just they're just they're subscribed to the podcast feed and they have never heard of Terminator. They've never seen a Terminator. They don't even know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the lead. Can you tell me what is Terminator 2 uh, colloquially known as T2 Judgment Day? What is it? Well, T2 Judgment Day is a sequel to the 1984 film, The Terminator, also directed by James Cameron and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, uh, Michael Bean in that film. And uh, it is the story of a robot that comes in, or a killer cyborg, I should say, that comes in from the future and needs to murder the mother of the leader of the resistance against the machines in the first film. And that is the sequel to that film. T2 is a sequel to that film. And it is uh, what I always love to call it a story about a boy and his killer cyborg. And it uh, is very apparent in the scene where he calls him my own Terminator when he finally realizes that he actually has control (laughs) over uh, what the Terminator does um, for his mission. And it is also directed by James Cameron. It is starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, and uh, introducing Edward Furlong as the titular John Connor, um, the leader of the resistance. And they are also being pursued by another Terminator, this time being played by Robert Patrick as the T-1000, who is one of the most memorable and cinematic movie villains of all time, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yeah. So um, I think... So that's the thing about the Terminator movies is that the plot is uh, very much just pretty bare (laughs) bones and straight to the point. Um, It's almost uh, the the reason why this movie resonates so well with me, I guess I should say, is that it is just a 10 out of 10 in terms of how to execute a story of this nature. Um, Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that it's widely regarded as the template 
for the perfect action movie. I don't think it's the only perfect action movie, but um, but when we talk about what an action movie is, I T two is the zenith. I think uh, it's it's like that. It is the highest point that the genre can achieve. Um, and the funny thing is that one of the other ones is Aliens, also James Cameron, also a sequel, right? Um, right. He's really good at at this. Also, Way of Water. I mean, like, go back, listen to Danny and I talk about uh, I, Avatar, the, the first Avatar. Way of Water, I think, is a better movie than the first Avatar um, because we don't have to establish very much. We don't have to. We don't have to waste our time in exposition. Um, and we've got more budget this time around. And I think like that is the key with, with these James Cameron sequels, uh, is that, you know, like he, he I, I mean, alien wasn't his, uh, that's, that's, uh, uh, Ridley Scott, but coming in and doing aliens, you know, we've established what the xenomorph is. We've established the chestburster. We've established the aesthetic, the, the Geiger stuff, all of this. We're just going to crank it up to 11. Right. And Terminator two is very similar um but mm-hmm. here's here's where terminator 2 i think what here's something that i think we lose now watching terminator 2 that wasn't apparent in what year does this come out 1991 one yeah i the so the first terminator comes out and really is the thing that puts Arnold Schwarzenegger on the map, right? It's also James Cameron's first massive hit, right? Um, and and actually, I think the first Terminator didn't make that much money. It was sort of one of those like home video, um, like it picked up steam afterwards and became well-regarded, even more well-regarded. I don't think it was a failure, but it wasn't like a smash hit blockbuster, if I recall. Like, And that's where T2, like T2 was the biggest movie of the year i think in 1991 so um th- this th- that first movie spends a lot of time establishing uh what are the terminators what's this time travel stuff all of that and it's really it's really michael bean and linda hamilton's movie mm-hmm. arnold is just this iconic villain in the first movie right where we exist now in pop culture, we don't think of Arnold's Terminator as the bad guy. But in right. 1991, when this movie was coming out, that was the case, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'd have to go back. I, w- I wanted to go back and, and watch a trailer or two and see how they, like, like how did they market they spoil the movie? It. Do they so, spoil it? Yeah, that's what it, I thought. So, like, I know exactly where you're going with this, where it's, yeah. if you were to watch this film without the knowledge of who is going to protect John, you could argue that it could be the T-1000, not knowing what that T-1000 is. You just, yeah. you see a dude and a cop. It's um, it's unclear at the beginning of this movie right. whether or not they're both there. I mean, like, I think that that's actually probably more than it. If it weren't for the voiceover telling us that, that like, oh, they've sent back someone to protect John again. And, and like, because the machines are sending somebody back to kill him. Uh, so they've sent back another guardian, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which is the plot of the first movie. If you didn't have that voiceover, you'd spend this first chunk of the movie going like, are they both trying to kill him? Like, did they send back two Terminators? Is that why it's T2? Right. Um, 
because it's so unclear up until the moment that the Arnold Terminator saves John, that that's what he's there for. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it turns. And, and so I, I was just kind of like to watch it now with that perspective of trying to like really hone in on like, okay, what was, what was Cameron doing with these two characters? And I love the way this all, this all brings me around to the, the thing I think that, that defines this one as better than the first. And that's, that's Robert Patrick because James Cameron has talked a lot about it. Even at the time he talked about it, the idea that he made the T-1000 a cop because police are this, um, they're a symbol, right? And the way that everybody just instantly trusts him, that's why he takes the form of the police officer because it's this thing that it's this institution that we all um, we're supposed to feel safe. We're supposed to trust, but then there's this corruption from within that we should actually all be afraid of, right? We shouldn't give that so much power. We shouldn't lend that so much uh, uh, allegiance basically because that power will be turned against us. And he like Cameron had, he said stuff like this back in the early nineties, which it's so funny because it's such a talking point now. Um, I, you know, post black lives matter and, and, you know, a cab and all of that sort of stuff. These ideas are much more prevalent now, but actually like at the time, like you have to sort of put this into perspective, of like where we're at politically and, and just sort of, uh, you know, like the conversation and stuff, um, that, uh, like around policing and, and that, that sort of thing back in the early nineties. It was actually very similar, so it's almost cyclical. We kind of forget that, right? It was but like then here, right before Rodney King out, out in LA. Exactly, it is so right. It so, crazy. like, like yeah. you can tell, like, because because then there's also movies like Do the Right Thing, and like there's a there's a few stories in this time period that um, I would even like go like Predator Two even has a little bit of it in yeah, there. For I, sure. I like like it like it was a it was an undercurrent in the conversation of like do like should we trust the police right um robocop also goes there right uh mm-hmm. I, and and i mean robocop being earlier than this movie but but um another perfect 10 by the way the first robocop come on we'll get there eventually yeah. but don't worry about it but i uh this the the remake one of my per- perfect 10s but I don't think that everybody's going to agree with me on that one, but I love really that. look, dude, you put Joel Kinnaman in something and it's already an eight like okay. flat out, you, you know, I'll take, <laughs> you're I, not wrong. I, would, <laughs> I will take anything that that man does. I love him so much, so much, but this is not an episode about Joel Kinnaman. Perfect 10, Joel Kinnaman, perfect 10 actor. I don't know how he is as a human being. I assume he's a pretty cool guy to hang out with, but, um, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's got some political opinions that we don't want to hear about. So maybe he should just stay where he is. Uh, but, but I, I, cause he's a, he's a, he's a rough and tumble man's man. Right. So, the, right. you know, it go either way. You can end up with an Anson Mount. You could end up with a, any of the other ones. Um, but I, I, cause Anson Mount's great. He's a fantastic human being, but anyways, uh, Joel Kinnaman actor, 10 out of 10, perfect 10. I, I've only seen the uh, remake once. So, uh, that was yeah. kind of enough for me, but, uh, yeah, I like, but it. I like it quite a bit, but I, Coming back into all of this, so what what were we talking about? We're talking about the cops, and we're talking about uh, T one thousand, yeah, T one thousand, and Robert Patrick. Dude comes in and just like 
gets it, nails the assignment, hundred and ten percent, right? Um, and and by the time at the point when it turns and we realize fully that like oh this is the bad guy the t1000 is the bad guy and and arnold's the good guy um it just like he just cranks it up he just cranks it up and this and this character is just so menacing he is so and it's just like this 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 idea that he he can't stop he will not stop and you you like like it's just impossible. Like he is just, he is, uh, he's, he's the unstoppable force and, and Arnold is the immovable object. Right. Like, yeah. Like we're just, we are just waiting for the inevitability of their collision. Um, which happens quite a bit. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. It happens several times in the movie and every time it does, it's quite explosive. (laughs) I, yeah. And, and then, and then to flip that, I think that Robert Patrick coming in and giving the performance that he does. And I think also um, James Cameron's writing in this one, right? Like, like the, 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 and I don't, did he write it by himself or was there, was there, there was another writing? gentleman involved. Yeah. Um, he, uh, his name is William Wisher. Um, yeah. And uh, I looked him up right before the uh, recording and uh, not much. Um, he's got a lot of based on the characters from T2 uh, credits. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But um, yeah, the, T one thousand, uh, relentless. Um, what what I've loved about him, just uh, kind of piggyback yeah. off of you for a second. Uh, what I loved about him is that he was such a charismatic presence, especially in those early scenes where he could be again. Is he the human going to protect John? Is he a Terminator? Um, this is definitely an upgraded model. Um, he's not, you know, the robotic presence that was the T eight hundred, which is Arnold's character. Uh, no, he, he, he knows how to smile. He knows how to speak to people, ask about pictures. He doesn't just murder everyone. Uh, you know, have you seen this boy? No. Okay. Boom. He's not that type of character. No, he's, he, he personifies that, uh, level of, uh, uh, care and, you know, like, um, security that, you know, a policeman should and would, uh, have, um, one little tidbit that I learned also was that he learned how to run without, uh, breathing through his mouth so he could look like a robot uh just mm-hmm. you know he just breathed through his nose and so he didn't look like he was exhausted you know like he was or um, um uh breathing heavily uh when he would yeah. run which i thought was just well done robert i know i mean like that's the that's the iconic image right is him running with those like those like staccato like arms that eventually turn into blades mm-hmm. right that whole that whole sequence is like that's the when you think of the t1000 i think you think of that and you think of the shotgun shells to the chest like sort of like blowing apart and like and at the end of the movie when he gets blown uh apart by the grenade right like it's sort of those three images and that's your that's your your t1000 mood board right Right. (laughs) yeah exactly character but i just like like there are there are performances that we love and then there are performances that are like undeniable that like that, that you can't, are there other actors that could have done this? Maybe, I don't know. I guess, do we need to answer that question? No, because Robert Patrick 
crushes this. And then the funny thing is that like he plays very different characters in other things. I mean, most recently, uh, he he plays a very different character in Peacemaker, um, almost like the polar opposite of the T one thousand. And he's phenomenal in that too. Like he's so much fun, even though he's this disgusting white supremacist racist. Uh, really, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Peacemaker is fantastic. If if people haven't watched that, it's a great, great series. Um, That's sad. But no, I'm uh, sad. I don't know that. <laughs> I but yeah, but it, he he I. I, I, yeah, like he just plays, he plays such wild characters nowadays, but, but was really sort of like known for this performance. Right. And I was going to say, I think like he upped the game and then Arnold came in and gave his performance, which is just, um, I think it's so, I think it's underrated. I think it's, I think like of, of, all of Arnold's performances, uh, every movie that he's done, I think that T2 is the one that people um, sort of discount the most. Like they just kind of, they, they just don't even consider it um, as one of his top performances. But I look at it and I go, this character has such a brilliant arc over the course of this. He arrives and he is the Terminator and he is the same as the first Terminator mm-hmm. um, with a different purpose, but with the same methodology. Right. And then as they establish, you know, he's got that, that, um, uh, uh, how, how does he describe it? It's like the, the, um, his like learning computer, whatever. whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally yeah, blanking on it right now, but yeah. Right. You know, Cause we're just watching it right now, but yeah. Um, um, yeah, he's a learning computer, you know, um, yeah, there's also multiple cuts. So like now in my head, I'm thinking about the director's cut where he actually goes into further detail of who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, but you're yeah, completely like, right. It, it's Arnold literally at his best. Um, I cannot yeah. agree more. Um, it's to me, it's also like when you said that um, people kind of disregard kind of this movie, uh, it's because it's so part of the zeitgeist. It's so part of yeah. the pop culture that he's just, he's almost just the poster image, you know, of what the Terminator is. You know, there's just that image of him on the bike with the gun and you kind of see the red eye through the sunglasses and, uh, yeah. and that almost transcends like the performance it, and it's it, sad, but it, yeah. it's like, he, it's, it's to me, like he's this movie and personally true lies, are, is Arnold yeah. at his peak and uh, especially his physicality uh, for me. Um, he was still basically a bodybuilder in 1984. And in this movie, it is just, you know, just perfect. It's not too big, not too wide. Um, he actually looks like a human, but an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary human. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and yeah, just like subtle things in, in the beginning of the the film where, he is the Terminator, you know, he's going into just get some clothes and boots. And um, there's that moment where he breaks the biker's arm. And it's like, a, it's a second, it's a blinking you miss it shot. It's less than a second. But there's this moment where Arnold, uh, the T-800 is just has these dead eyes as he's just breaking the guy's hand. Mm. And that is the robot. That is the cyborg. That is the murdering cyborg that is, you know, ready to take out the entire uh, restaurant for these clothes. And then like you said, the arc that happens after that, like that's where we start with. And then what we end up with is just completely not that. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, like, and 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 it's not. There's no like moment where it turns right. Like it's it that we get the funny moments in in sort of the 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 beginning of the second act when John is giving him all these lessons about the way to talk like a real person. And he's saying all of this obnoxious teenager stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, the, you know, the T 800 is, is listening along and, and uh, I won't repeat some of the things that he said. We'll keep it PG, but, uh, I, <laughs> but uh, these, these things are coming out of his mouth and it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're giggling along with it, but Arnold is actually giving, this really great performance because then they they get to um because they're in mexico right and 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 while they're there this stuff is happening and and john is bonding with this terminator and the terminator is learning from him and learning like like even even when john's not teaching him things he's still picking up subtle cues and and uh and and learning how to be a a better uh, person becoming more human as, as he goes, um, which is exactly what he says will happen. Um, and the performance keeps shifting. And I think like there's this one great moment where um, I, I, Sarah Connor has taken off, right? Like she's, she's realized that she's got to go. She's had like her, her um, sort of like uh, uh, the dream. living nightmare moment sort yeah. of thing. And she and she gets in the car and she peels out and then they're trying to figure it out. And the two of them, John and the Terminator are are standing there like going through like, well, where could she be going? And they both come to it at the exact same moment. And his performance, his delivery of Dyson Mm. is like it's not it's no longer he didn't he didn't compute it. As like before, he's like computing things of like, because I think I, I would compare it to the like, your foster parents are dead, right? Like that moment right. is such an iconic moment. Um, and, and I, he, but it's the way that he delivers this is like, it's not, it wasn't a computational output like that moment is. It's a realization. And he and it's and I think that Cameron does it on purpose where the two of them come to the realization at the same time, because of, for two reasons. One, we are meant to be re- it's established early on and we get reinforced over and over. John is a genius, right? Like he is right. he like he is an exceptional human being. Um, and so there's this thing, I, I think, where a, a, a lame interpretation of it would be that um that the the T eight hundred is as smart as this teenager, and I interpret it the other way around, which is that this teenager is as smart as this like like positronic brain supercomputer. Mm. Uh, I think positronic brain is actually data from Star Trek, but um, but you oh, know, like like yeah, <laughs> this 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 uh this uh, thinking machine supercomputer. That's Jurassic Park. That's Jurassic uh, Park. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he he, uh, he 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 gets to the realization at the same time that John does. Um, but it's also this moment where they're kind of meeting in the middle, um, and then we get to the stuff with Dyson. And mm. by the time that we get to Dyson, the T eight hundred has made a transition from from machine into humanity. Right? Um, he is. Uh, at the same time that he is still stoic and uh, and 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 you know Arnold's still giving the very like 
not flat performance, but there's an empathy that starts coming through. And then by the time that we get to the end of the movie, which I mean, like we're in terms of like the, the amount of time that, that we're basically with those characters from that moment forward, we, we don't really lose a lot of time. Um, so it's really only a few hours that we're talking about here in their lives. I, but by the end of it, as he learn starts to learn more and more what it means to be a human, his speech changes, and it's almost it's almost like he starts using contractions and, and stuff like that. Um, and and that final scene, the way that he talks to John is not as a robot; it is as a person. And that that line, this is where I say it's underrated because people will talk about Hasta la Vista and I'll be back and all of that stuff. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. The movie suffers from its own iconography because Arnold delivers one of the best lines I think that's ever been written. Um, And maybe it's a little bit on the nose, but for me, it works so well, which is when he says it was like the last thing that he says, basically. Right. Which is um, I know now why you you cry. cry but I never will or something. I know not why you cry, but it's something that I will never, I can never do. Yeah. But it's something that I can never do. And, and it's like, and, and he's what, like, it's this thing of like, he's telling John, like you did it. Like, like you saved me. I am not the killing machine that I was designed to be. You've made me something more. And, and I have a soul now, right? Like that's that moment is like, it's like, that's, that's him sort of like acknowledging like this is the most human that I could ever possibly be. And you did this and thank you for doing that for me. But I am, but I am a killing machine. Like that's what I am. And I need to be destroyed in order for humanity to survive, which is where then like this, the sequels end up kind of robbing this of its importance as a moment. Right. But, but here's the other thing. There is no, one continuity and people go like oh what's the con- which what's the what's the canon terminator story and it's like uh all of them every of them. single terminator story is canon because of the the method of time travel that they've established um by virtue of having the sequel where it's like no nope, I mean, even I- the first movie the, the first movie literally yeah you have the guy you have kyle reese coming from the future back to the past and he's there to protect sarah and then they make John <laughs> and yeah, it's a paradox. It's a paradox, it's not- but it's also like, that's also like predeterminism. Right. So like, that's right. like in that time loop, like that's a closed loop. John sends Kyle back in order to be born so that he right. can send Kyle back in order to be born so that he can send Kyle back in order to be born. Right. <laughs> it's a, it's a closed loop. It has to happen that way. But what we learn in T2 is that by sending Kyle back even though he had always sent Kyle back because he has to in order to exist. That's what creates the Terminators, but they're able to break the cycle in this movie. That's like Terminator two. Like that's the whole point is that, is that they're able to no fate, but what we make. Right. So they break the cycle, but by breaking the cycle, they don't in T3, you didn't stop judgment day. You only delayed it. Yeah. Which I think is what, the Terminator says that's what Arnold says to him, right? Um, 
and then Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles doubles down on that and then uh, I will just ignore Salvation because it's not a time travel one it just takes place in the future and it's boring right. and lame uh, but then what's the most recent one well there's two more there's uh, Genesis as I call it and then yeah. there's Dark Fate yeah that's right so um, um, all of them happen and all of them are somewhere on the continuity but they are like Back to the Future. In Back to the Future, we deal with one. Actually, we deal with two, uh, with two, two tangents, yeah. right? Yeah. Because at the end of the first movie, he comes back and he yeah, doesn't come back yeah. to his own timeline. He comes back to the tangent that he creates by teaching his dad to to be uh, uh, to stand up for himself, right? Yeah. So he comes back and his life is better, and that's his reward. That's his. That's the boon that he gets for for his hero's journey, which is a weird one because. I don't know, but it, it's it, so eighties. It's such an eighties concept. It still, it still works in the hero's journey. It's just that like he delivers the elixir mid, like he delivers the elixir before he comes home, before he returns home. So it's a little bit of a subversion of the hero's journey, but it is there. Um, and he comes home and because he's delivered the elixir in the past, when he gets home, the world is a better place for him, at least not for Biff. Um, right. And then in the second movie, we get a second tangent when Biff steals the almanac and goes back. Uh, and gives it to young Biff, right? So we, right. we end up with with the wild tangent with Biff having taken over the world. And then we live in a tangent where that movie happens and inspires Donald Trump to become president. And so we are in the darkest timeline. Uh, but um, in any case, uh, that's why we don't have flying cars and hoverboards. Uh, yep. It's Donald Trump's fault. So just, just in case anybody was wondering. Biff wrecked it for all of us. Donald, Donald uh, Tannen. Yeah, Donald Tannen. <laughs> I, Biff Trump. I yeah. Anyways, I the, the same time travel rules apply in in Terminator, right? Like they're they're very similar. Um, but that first movie could be a closed loop until you introduce the second film. And really the second film, it's unclear because we don't make it to 1997 in the second film. We think that we've done it, but then I, I, yeah, it's they, you can't stop judgment day. You can only delay it. Right. Um, and then Sarah Connor Chronicles never got to finish. So we don't know how that would have ended. Such yeah. I never actually watched Sarah Connor uh, Chronicles, but it's on Hulu. So I'm actually really? just kind of talking oh, to you about this. I kind of want to listen, get into it. Sarah Connor Chronicles is fantastic. Uh, so, man, yeah, that's a good show. Uh, that's one of my favorite shows of the last, I don't know. Now at this point, we're talking about 15 years, 20 years. Yeah, I don't remember when it came out. Lena Headey or Heady. Yeah, Lena so Hedy. good. Pre-Game of Thrones, Lena Headey. Uh, right. I, yeah, so going into Game of Thrones, I was like, I know who that is, <laughs> um, which I think most people were introduced to her there. When, but, well, uh, real fast, because we kind of, yeah. Just kind of tangent off to the sequels and everything. I've always felt the uh, sequels had a uh, complete missed opportunity. And I've actually, um, fairly during the pandemic, uh, when I had nothing to do, um, I uh, got with a friend of mine and started uh, conceptualizing um, like my version of a Terminator sequel. And it would have been probably like in a comic book or whatnot. And and then I think uh, it was, it was <laughs> I had the unfortunate timing of uh, starting this project about a month before my second daughter was born. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, but I've always, uh, that being said, my idea has always been uh, that uh, the sequel to T2, the proper sequel, 
wouldn't have followed John so much, wouldn't have even followed um, Sarah. It would have followed a character that we barely get a glimpse of in this film, and it's Danny Dyson, his mm-hmm. son. And I still think that there's room for that because I've always thought that when it comes to that character, I mean, think about this. After witnessing an attempt on his father's life by this like mysterious woman, this guy's this boy's world is turned literally upside down when he when his father just leaves him that night with the same people and her quote unquote family and he just never returns like there's a nugget of a story right there that could be just you could just it's ripe for the picking um but um anyway (laughs) i'm trying i'm trying to remember because i think maybe Danny does come into play in Sarah Connor Chronicles. Does he? Um, yeah, I think there's 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 something there is a story somewhere where 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 Danny is like because that, that's not the not to take anything away from it because I think it's a genius idea. But I, I don't think that's the first time that I've heard that idea of like, that's good. Of like, yeah, let's go. Let's go with this because, you know, like like T3 and and Dark Fate both play with the idea of like there are other people that are influential to the resistance and at a certain point that the machines get tired of trying to kill john and try and kill these other people right um but then it always ends up intersecting i mean like dark fate spoilers for dark fate if you haven't seen it but the way that that movie opens um, all right, I guess not opens, but like like when we get when we get the reveal part way through the movie that the Terminator that's there is the one that finally accomplished the mission, and it only works because I think this is such brilliant writing. It only works because of T two, right? So because in T two, I John develops that relationship with the Terminator when the machines send back another T eight hundred on purpose. I he there's it's that it's the split second right it's the it the had he not had that connection he would have responded the way he was supposed to and not hesitated and that's right. why he ends up dying so um and that's what you like, were a fan I, of that scene uh yeah I love it I mean I I I I loved Dark Fate I've only seen it the one time but I loved Dark Fate I thought it was a great great movie um but but only by virtue of the fact that like we have so many terminator stories how many times can we go back to that well exactly what you're saying of like how many times can we go back to john connor and i think that's where like the third one um really like falls flat is that it's like oh my god again with john connor and then yeah. and then the fourth one is only like it's a natural extension of that but it's a boring natural extension of that of like well why don't we go back and try and kill sarah connor again before john is born right but then this time arnold goes all the way back to when she's a little kid and takes her and trains her to be a badass and i don't know i don't think that i've watched genesis all the way through i think i've only seen part of it but um, have I you saw the whole movie in the trailer, so it doesn't really. That's matter. where it's difficult for me to tell is that like because I, I don't know if I've just seen all the trailers and clips or if I've actually watched the movie. I think I've watched the movie because there's like a whole sequence where she's like in a in like a shopping mall or something like that or like a store or something. And she like hides inside some like a rack of clothing and. It's supposed to be uh, a play on the first movie where Kyle yeah. Reese is uh, going around and there's a T eight hundred 
or sorry, a T-1000 in that movie. And kind of going back to uh, T-2's point where you said, like, could someone else play the T-1000? Maybe. Um, but then they tried that in Genesis and uh, it wasn't yeah. the same. Yeah, no, definitely not the same. I'm mean, like that. And that's the thing is that like, like T2 is lightning in a bottle. I think that's why, you know, I could, I could talk about many of the Terminator stories and, um, and, and talk about the things that I think that they do well and the things that, that maybe they could have done better. Cause even I like T3. I think that T3 is a good movie. I just think that it's like, it's, it's living up to an unrealistic expectation because T2 is so good. Um, and even, even the original Terminator is such a special piece of cinematic history. Um, I think my favorite part of uh, T3 was the ending. Um, I did like how it it did end and, you know, they actually go through judgment day and whatnot. Um, but, um, yeah, I can't decide whether (laughs) basically the first two are the only ones that kind of exist in my, um, dark fate. Um, I'll be honest. I wasn't against John Connor dying, um, but I, spoiler alert, I guess, I mean, we were kind of talking about it already, but yeah. Um, but I wasn't against it, but it's just, I, I've never been deflated in a movie quicker than that sequence. And maybe if it was a reveal, maybe if it was like a flashback later in the movie, I, I just don't know. But because um, the visual effects of that sequence are phenomenal, but something about that scene just rubbed me the wrong way. And then it like deflated the entire rest of the movie because I mean, I love Gabriel Luna. Um, I uh, like the cast. Um, Linda Hamilton was back, which was fantastic. Um, and Arnold actually was great in that movie too, but it's just that the first three minutes just lost me. Yeah. So but, it uh, is the opening of the movie, right? I, it is. I see for me, I think I, and I think like, that's exactly it. Like that's where that mileage is going to vary. I think, by virtue of the fact that I watched Sarah Connor Chronicles, uh, and and enjoyed it so much, but it is another John Connor story, right? Um, when I sat down to watch Dark Fate and that movie opens and it's like, oh, oh, we're gonna do something completely different this time around. I right. was like, okay, like I was, I like I was bought in, like I was like, let's go, like like let's let's see let's see where this timeline takes us. But I think that I also have the perspective on the Terminator franchise of like, it doesn't matter. Cause like, cause people will be like, Oh, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. The whole point was that they wanted to retcon T3 cause T3, everybody hates. And I'm like, well, I don't hate T3, but here's the thing. I uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles only happens because of T3, right? Like T3 mm. has to happen in order for Sarah Connor Chronicles to happen, it is part of the canon. And it's like, that's where it's like, like the canon timeline of these, of this franchise is that ever is that they're loops, right? They're all these like loops backwards, but they're always these loops backwards that continue forward, which is why John is almost always older, except like, and but then they break that with Sarah Connor Chronicles of like, Oh, so we're going to go back to when, not to when he was a teenager, like a young teenager, but when he's like an older teenager um, and, and tell the story at that point. And we're going to go through all this other stuff and we're going to, you know, go down this pathway with the characters. Uh, and then, and then, you know, oh, well, Dark Fate's going to do it in this completely other way, which is going to change the timeline entirely. So I don't know. I like that. 
I like that time travel aspect of it, um, which isn't necessarily, I mean, it's obviously core to Terminator, but it's also, I think the thing that people care about the least is the time travel. I think that mostly people care about Arnold and the explosions. So when, when the time travel is the focal point, which I think in Sarah Connor Chronicles, it was, um, uh, time travel is a, is a massive aspect of that storyline. It's been such a long time since I've watched it. I'm like trying to like recall exactly what was going on, but there's a lot of like, how many Terminators are there in the, in that timeline? Like in that, like in that present day, who's a Terminator, who is, something other than a terminator are there humans working with the terminators which is one of the questions that's asked in that one of like do they have machine sympathizers basically um yeah that show that show gets wild with the mythos of terminator and it just it's such a bummer that uh that it ended it just at, ends at without season a, ending yeah like i mean like oh, to no. spoil to spoil sarah connor chronicles uh because i think that like it it by spoiling it, I will deflate the 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 uh, the the gut punch that it is when you get to it. The end of the series is John, young John Connor, ending up in the future, and so you're like, "Oh my God, let's go with this storyline." Um, there's a lot of things that lead to that point, but we've never had time travel in that direction before in the Terminator franchise, right? So, um, right. But that's what Sarah Connor Chronicles did differently is that like there was communication from the past to the future. Uh, mm. And so like there was stuff because it's ongoing because it was a TV series instead of a movie. Right. So they had the the ability to play with that of like, oh, there's stuff still happening. It's not it's not a one shot plan. Right. Um, but that that things can be. Adjusted and more stuff can happen, but. Um, and we actually get explanations for why. Uh, why they can't just like send back an army of Terminators to to destroy everybody before the Terminators are even created, right? right. Um, like to, like to stop. It's like there there are explanations of like the amount of power that it takes in order to you know send somebody back and all of that sort of thing. So I yeah, it's I it it is a very good show and me giving away that spoiler I don't think takes away anything because it's it is very much about the journey. And um uh Summer Glau is fantastic. She's a great terminator as well. Um but yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I might check it out on, when I have uh just time by myself. It's just uh Yeah. Is is it okay to like watch like on a computer while you're like working or just kind of watch Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This is not like the, like the time period that Sarah Connor Chronicles is from. It's like at, you know, like we're talking about like, like uh, when Lost was on TV. Right. right. So okay. um, we're just at the beginning of that whole like, I, I, oh, you better be taking notes for this mythology. <laughs> and Sarah Connor Chronicles, although it's like there's a lot going on there. Um, it is very much like, oh, how are we going to make it through whatever's happening this week? Um, like a Smallville, a little bit maybe. Uh, not quite to that extent. Like it's somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle of those things. Okay. But it's not like an eight episode, um, uh, you know, series like The Last of Us or something like that, um, where it's like this very tight story. It's like no, no, no. You can you can be doing other stuff. There's like some teen drama going on in this one. There's there's yeah, it's a 
it's it is what it is a product of its time but i really liked it at the time bear mccreary does the soundtrack and it just like it oh, nice. rushes it he just he destroys with Great those composer. those terminator music stings like just they always come in at exactly the right place um yeah yeah he takes he takes that score and just like elevates it bear mccurry's so good he's there that's another one of those those things bear mccurry i think is very underrated um not by people who know him if you know the name bear mccurry and you know who i'm talking about you're like yeah he's done some killer soundtracks he's done some killer scores but uh but his name is not as well known as like a John Williams or a Hans Zimmer or whatnot. right. No, he's a great composer. I love. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the overall show, but uh, the Walking Dead. I mean that theme right there. It's uh, yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah, no, he's done some really good stuff. Um, I hey, you know since we're talking about score, uh, let's yeah. mention Brad Fidel. Um, he, I mean, he came up with the original Terminator theme in that again 1984 uh, film. But uh, like you mentioned, bigger budget, um, fantastic score in this film. Just mm-hmm. fantastic. And it's just uh, like the T-800 and the T-1000. It's a relentless score. It's uh, In some cases, it's very robotic. But then when they go to Mexico and in that desert, it's beautiful. Just uh, the acoustic guitar that they use. It's, uh, uh, it's a great underrated score. And in the terms of, you know, besides just listening to the terminator theme it, yeah. overall the score is fantastic yeah you kind of got the two themes right because you've got the you've got the i think that i think that most people go to immediately which is like the don't 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 like mm-hmm. that theme which is great and i love the way that it opens the movie the the place where this movie takes the terminator theme and like just just elevates it so much is is in those final moments um, when you get that more soaring theme, mm. like the like the like that stuff, and it's like there's the hopeful aspect of it that, um, which is I think more less uh, that that the dun like that's the Terminator's theme, and then the other mm. one is like John Connor's theme, right? Yeah, it's the, it's like, the, Con- it, the the Connor's theme, the the hope yeah. theme. It's yeah. uh, as soon as she pushes the button and starts lowering him, it's just yeah. It's so perfect. <laughs> it's a beautiful piece of music, and it just like it's it's one of those ones that stays with you for sure. Um, and also, I mean, like just like like because it's associated with the content, I think that 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 brings it up even more. But uh, yeah, um, I I so we've we've talked about a lot of the Terminator franchise overall and everything, but what we actually haven't gotten to, because we've been talking sort of all over the place, right. we actually haven't gotten to your own. So wh- I, I know why this is a perfect 10 for me. Um, I, and I, like, I love Arnold movies. Uh, it's like, I, I will not apologize for it. Uh, Predator, I mean, Conan the Barbarian is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, if I had to put together a top ten list, the first Conan the Barbarian movie is 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 one of my favorite movies, and it's my favorite Arnold movie, bar none. Like, like no contest. Nice. Um, I love that movie so much. I and eventually we'll talk about it on Perfect Ten. I guarantee it. But I have to find the right person to talk about it with because it's not <laughs> it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's a very specific type of movie, but. Um, 
you know, like like I uh, uh, just the Terminator franchise in general is such a is such a uh, an important franchise to me. But I want to know from you, like, what makes this a perfect ten for you personally? What's what's your connection to it? Well, my connection is obviously a buckets of nostalgia. Um, yeah, it came out in 90, uh, 1991. I was f- four going on five. <laughs> um, so uh, I was not of appropriate age to go to the theater. However, uh, you would know this uh, as well. Um, there was a ton of toys, a ton of action figures, a ton of toys for this rated R movie. Yeah. <laughs> and Hilarious. it was a beautiful time in the history of uh, being a kid. And so it was inescapable to uh, just not see this movie once it finally came out on VHS. And that's how I first saw it was a VHS pan and scan four by three, you know, on a TV. Um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, my, it, it didn't detract from how wonderful it was. I still remember <laughs> kind of going way back um, that uh, in the first VHS that came out, there was uh, trailers, you know, because VHS has had previews before, um, the uh, the actual uh, feature came on, and uh, not only was there a, a Basic Instinct trailer <laughs> <laughs> um, that was again not appropriate, um, but there was also I always remember a George Bush PSA <laughs> about don't uh, not doing drugs, and uh, it was just like, oh, this is uh, what we're, and then kind of going back to that time too again my parents were pretty liberal when it came to just what kind of content i would ingest um and around that time i would consider george bush uh senior um the guy that was the president in naked gun two and a half (laughs) 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 because uh, i would see that movie a lot so uh uh, kind of a weird marriage of those uh two movies in my head but uh but yeah going back to terminator 2 it was just um you're seeing this and again, the story about a boy and his killer cyborg, and it was uh, like what Robin was to Batman, what they thought you know the kids wanted to you know have in the comics back in the day. Like they wanted to have a, a kid with the protector, um, if you will. And um, I identified with John. It was it was a great uh, lead into just uh, this movie. But then, what made it a classic was the fact that it was. Terminator 2, the the movie that in so many ways was the kind of a, kind of a, a major point in visual effects uh, when it mm-hmm. comes to the history of uh, cinema, where we had in like, you know, we obviously we had Star Wars, but when it comes to uh, practical effects, like, because this movie gets a lot of praise for its revolutionary uh effects and visual effects with uh cgi with obviously the t-1000 but the majority of the visual effects in this film were actually special effects they were puppetry and like most of the stuff where he's getting hit in the t-1000 is getting hit in the chest or his head's getting split apart and those are practical puppetry special effects it's when he's going through the bars and when his head is coming back together from a shotgun blast, that's where the visual effects come in. And, you know, this is just, again, another kind of benchmark in just film visual effects history. Cause you know, if you don't have this then you don't have Jurassic park, if you don't have Jurassic park, then you don't have 
Star Wars, the pre, you know, the prequels and the rings and basically the year, you know, basically everything else after that. So I think with all that to say, like it was just a buckets of nostalgia and just the fact that it was actually a great movie. Like I always go back to this where um, side tangent, um, my first movie, my first cinematic experience that I ever saw a movie in the theater was the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> so it could have been, uh, it could have been, you know, what was the movie you said uh, earlier? Carnosaur? Yeah. It could have been Carnosaur. It could have been um, Cop and a Half, which I, <laughs> I have a funny uh, memory with Cop and a Half too um, that relates to Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> there was a double feature of that movie <laughs> of uh, uh, Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time and uh, Cop and a Half that I, uh, went to uh, go but again going back to the point with uh, terminator is that it just happened to be one of those movies that it was just the perfect time for when i grew up and uh, one of those movies that you're kind of not supposed to watch but then you still watched and yeah you know and judgment the, the, the judgment day scene as uh effective as it is now, you know uh, watching it as an adult i don't think it affected me that much as a kid um, how, how did that scene affect you? Um, cause I'm sure you watched it, you know, when you were young too, right? Yeah. Well, you know what, actually the first time that I watched Terminator two, I probably would have been closer to like 10 or 11. Okay. A little bit older. Um, I, the marketing of Terminator at one point pitted him against RoboCop and as, the video game. Uh, yeah. in the video game right and as um as as we were wont to do in the in the early 90s if you put a versus on it then you had to pick a side are you a nintendo kid or are you a genesis kid right like you like mario or sonic because you gotta pick you can't like both right. uh and so it was like you gotta like robocop or you gotta like the terminator and i was like well the terminator is a bad guy and robocop is awesome robocop has a <laughs> jetpack like, what are you talking about? His gun comes out of his leg. Like, I don't understand why this is a why this is even a contest. RoboCop is the guy. So, so when I was young, I I was a I was a RoboCop stan and and didn't didn't care for Terminator as much. So I never really watched it. Like in 1991, um, I would have been six, and I so definitely too young for for Terminator too. But um, but definitely also like intensely aware because of the fact that like along with robocop along with um gremlins along with like a million other things they marketed the hell out of this stuff to kids even though the movie it wasn't appropriate they were like here are the toys uh and we bought them right so i you know like i was fully aware of robocop i was full or of, of terminator but i was but i was more on the robocop side of things so and, it and wasn't until fast, I was you little... actually watched robocop when you were that young too right um not the so yes tv paul, that's a paul verhoeven film that's yeah that's way intense <laughs> but tv edits right because we're talking oh. about the about the time when yeah. like an R-rated movie would play on a Saturday afternoon, but it would be the TV edited version and the TV edited version would basically not show any of that stuff. There were no swear words in it. And so like you could get these completely sanitized versions, which you would never get nowadays. You would either see it like on a station that, that will show an R-rated film or 
uh, or or just not at all, or just one at all, or but more likely you watch things through streaming services now, right? So it's like that era of the TV edit, I think, is gone. I think I think that that we're basically past that. But yeah, uh, yeah so the so I would have watched I would have watched um, RoboCop back then, mostly the second and third movie because those ones are a little bit they're a little bit easier to put. I mean, RoboCop three is almost a family film at that point. Right. Um, and, and that would have been, I mean, like, and also like, you know, that's the one where he gets a jetpack. That's the one where, you know, like, like he's got all the accessories and he's got a kid sidekick who can do computer whiz stuff. So that's the one that was definitely for me. Um, and that's that era as well. Cause I think RoboCop three is like 91 or 92. Um, it's contemporary with T2. Like that's, I know that for sure. Isn't uh, uh, part two also directed by um, Irvin uh, Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's directed by Kirsch. Um, <laughs> Had to get and it's Wars underrated. I think, <laughs> I, I think RoboCop two is underrated. It's definitely not as good as the first film, but it's underrated for sure. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I was older, 10, 10 or 11. Um, I, I remember watching it in a hotel room. I, uh, on a, on a trip, I, I, and coming in sort of like basically into act three, like from the, from the Dyson stuff forward. Um, and that's the first time that I ever actually like sat down and watched a Terminator movie. And I don't think that we finished it either. Um, maybe we did, but I, I, yeah. So I didn't watch T2 all the way through until I was like, Oh God like an older teenager, like 16 or 17. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. I, and then I didn't watch the original Terminator until I was an adult. Like I didn't see the first movie in its entirety. We have a network up here or we had a network up here in, in Canada called space. And I think I may have watched like bits of it because they would do, um, uh, especially like around Halloween and stuff, you get like all of the sci-fi horror stuff. So you get Terminator alien um, and, and, and the sequels and whatnot, but, but really focusing in on those originals. Right. And so I, I would have seen the original Terminator. I would have seen pieces of it on TV in a TV edit, like around that same time that I watched T2. Um, so I would have been about probably 15, 16, 17 um, when I would have watched it the first time. But it really wasn't for me. I was so focused on Star Wars at the time that I wasn't really my my sci fi. It's funny. I start with Star Trek. I start with Next Gen, right? Like that's my that's my original introduction to sci fi by my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and then eventually get into Star Wars when I was about 10. And then Star Wars was the only thing that I cared about, except for like a couple of random things here and there. Like um, I there was a show called Total Recall. 2049 i think which was actually more of a it had the title of total recall but it was actually more of a blade runner show um mm. which i got I heavy into that. i i yeah it was great i and then uh the dune miniseries when that was on when that was it would have been on sci-fi for you guys but it was on space for us um oh, i remember I never when that was that airing one. and i was big into that around that same era but it wouldn't be until I was older, until until film school, and really after film school, even where I expanded my horizons and started getting into into more more of that classic eighties and nineties sci fi. I really had at the end when I was a teenager. I really thought the eighties were dumb, 
I like I don't know what it was. I don't know why I got on that, but I really thought that anything from the eighties other than Star Wars and The Last Starfighter was dumb. It wasn't worth it. And Back to the Future. Uh, Indiana Jones. I, I Indiana Jones I never considered part of the eighties. It's funny because it's because they're period movies, right? I see what you're talking about. Yeah. So they never felt like eighties movies to me. I uh, they always felt like like they were just of the time that they were from. Uh, that the that the movies take place, right? So it was always a funny thing where 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 those movies like like it was it wasn't until I was much older that I was able to go back and watch something from you know 1984 like like Terminator or Tron or you know what have you and actually appreciate it for what it is. Um, yeah. And now, obviously, like as an adult, like like as a as a as a 37 year old man i look at it and go like ridiculous these are some of the best movies that have ever been made like that's such a a, like a golden era of genre filmmaking right it's like i i we wouldn't have the mcu today if not for so many of those things back then that's when the sequel became a sequel right with empire and with robocop and and uh you know terminator and all that stuff like the 80s leading into the 90s that's that's how we end up where we are now so um how can i not appreciate it but but yeah at the time i was a 90s kid and so if it was from the 90s it was cool but if it was from the 80s it was lame it was too old uh i basically had those those, uh thoughts too um again like you know there was always the exceptions but then like overall like uh, I wasn't a big fan of like uh, heavily synth uh, scores. And, yeah. But same. then like, but then now, I, I mean, that's all I care about. Like, you know, uh, Mark uh, Mothersbrow uh, does uh, Thor Ragnarok. I'm like, this yeah. is an amazing score. <laughs> well, and to, and, and, and bring up Blade Runner, right. And, and going mm, into yes. that. And it's like, there are so many cuts of that. If you try and show me a cut that doesn't have the synth score, I will walk out. That like that movie is so much better with the synth score, which yeah. I think like the final cut. That's like the big one of the biggest things I think is that they bring the synth score back in with all of the other changes. But um, yeah, like that's like synth. Now I look at it and it's like, come on, man! Like this is such a, it's so evocative. And when it gets used in modern films now, it's always like I love it because if it's going to get brought when it's done well, I mean, sometimes it gets done and it's done poorly, but when it gets done well, like you say, like Thor Ragnarok, it's like, come on. Like, this, think, is, uh, this is the vibe. I think some of the best it's actually been is in uh stranger things actually. Yeah. Yeah. Stranger things nails it. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think we did it. I think, I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think, I think we've talked about, we could talk about a million things, right? As, as has been evidenced by this. It's funny, Scott Pilgrim, we had the same, we had the same sort of thing with that episode with with, with me and Steve is that it's like this, these movies that are, um, it's the opposite end of it, right? Scott Pilgrim is inspired by so many things that we're going to get off on so many tangents because we're going to talk about this thing and that thing that all influenced Scott Pilgrim on the flip side of that. Terminator is so foundational. Like I said, like this is the zenith of the action movie. Like every action movie that comes out now is trying to be T2. Right. Like that it whether the filmmakers know it or not, that's that's the reality. The the 
don't get me wrong. It's a James Cameron movie and it's James Cameron once he's got money. So it's about 10% longer than it should be in order for it to be comfortable. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, what are you going to cut? What do you cut from this movie? You can't cut anything from this movie to make it shorter without losing something important, without losing they, part they of what actually makes it did special. And, and the, the, they actually did in the director's cut, uh, there's some there's a couple scenes that don't need to be in there, but overall there's some scenes in there that I'm like put them back in. I want to see that. I want to see more of this movie. Yeah, um, I think because of the the nature of it being the relationship between John and this Terminator, we need those quiet moments. We need that length. We we need it to be that. If anything, it's the action sequences that maybe go on for a little bit too long. <laughs> True. Yeah, especially near like, the end. How many, how many, how many times do we need to see a semi truck barrel into something? Um, we get it. We get it. semi trucks are big and explosions are cool, um, and nothing stops the T one thousand. He'll just walk out of the fire, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, yeah, it's that that the first half of the final truck sequence doesn't need to happen the truck the truck and helicopter thing i think is probably is probably where it's like this is a little bit it goes a little bit long um but you know yeah you yeah i can't you argue need with it that either story-wise you need it for, to get from one to the other um yeah, and also, shot and whatnot yeah, you know yeah also it is like it is an action movie so like that's what we're here for right um let's not kid ourselves it's not about the character moments, the character moments make this action movie special, but it is, it is an action movie. So we got to have it. So, you know, I, but that's exactly why, why it's a perfect 10, right? Like, like that is sort of the defining characteristic to me when I talk about what a perfect 10 is, is like, I don't know, what are you going to change to make this movie better? Right. And to me, right. it's like, not, not, not a heck of a lot, not a heck of a lot you can make some arguments, but you could also argue in the other direction. So, um, yeah, like it's, it's fantastic. So I think, I think that brings us to a close on talking about Terminator two judgment day. Uh, Marty, before you go, uh, thank you for coming on and talking about Terminator. Of course. Uh, and, uh, if people want more of you talking about movies, where should they go? Oh, uh, you could follow us on the Not Another Movie podcast. Um, we again have uh, ten real episodes and two extra like bonus episodes in there. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Not Another Movie Podcast and at Twitter at NA Movie Podcast. Um, and you could listen to us on Spotify. And uh, we go through what is no longer Anchor. It's actually. Um, uh, Spotify for podcasters. So that's a, that's a very recent change within the last week. And, um, we are, uh, scheduling out some new episodes. Actually, um, Tommy, my co-host, um, huge, huge Terminator fan. Um, uh, we've, we have a past with uh, Terminator is all I'll say. And, um, we were actually going to do some episodes dedicated to the first and second movie. And then we were going to do, I think one episode for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah. And um, the reason why we haven't been doing, we were kind of on a hiatus is because uh, in the last six months, Tommy has moved to Chicago and back. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's actually a um, hundred yards away from where I'm recording right now because he now lives in my complex. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's nice. pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find us. Um, 
let us know what you think. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. Same, just look up not another movie podcast and you'll find us. And uh, kind of like what uh, Mike was saying, we're just guys that kind of wish the nineties movies returned and came back in that uh, form. So, uh, and I, last thing I'll say before uh, kind of wrap up here is uh, I'd be remiss to say that uh, I have a perfect 10 moment in this perfect 10 film. And it is, how can you get any better than the cinematic perfection of Arnold cocking his shotgun? Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I just had to mention I, that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's iconic, right? It's iconic. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I think that, that, that does it for this one. Uh, thank you guys. I will be back. I, I, in, a, in four weeks time with another episode, I, if listen, I know I say this every time and then, and then we come back and it's an episode that, uh, that I didn't have planned. Um, and that just, that just ends up being the way that it shakes out with scheduling guests and stuff. But uh, I should be recording actually very soon for the next episode. I'm going to be recording with Candace caught from uh, geeky waffle. And we're going to be talking about gargoyles, uh, which is not only a perfect 10, uh, as long as we don't talk about season three, but uh, is also one of my like top five favorite TV shows of all time. So, uh, so talking about gargoyles is going to be fun. So look forward to that. Uh, of course, we are we are in the thick of it right now. If you are listening to this in uh, in 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 the temporal moment that is now, uh, we got Bad Batch and Mandalorian both airing at the same time, and that means that Rebel Cells and Force Perspectives are both putting out episodes. So I I check those out because I mean, like this last couple weeks has just been something else perfection um, <laughs> dare i say <laughs> yeah it's it's absurd and it's got to end at some point but i don't think it's going to end anytime soon so um uh yeah w- bad batch is firing on all cylinders and these first two episodes of mando have been just a dream come true for me as a star wars fan and a fan of the mandalorian so uh if you are if you are likewise inclined to enjoy the current star wars slate then then definitely give those podcasts a listen and uh, and share in the joy with us uh otherwise you can uh you can head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and you can support us over there and get access to uh to the bonus podcast off the record which is just for patrons um and uh yeah i i that's it that's all my plugs that's all my stuff Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Marty, for joining me. Uh, and, uh, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is hosted by me, Michael Cohen. Follow us on Twitter at ThunderquackPod, on Instagram at ThunderquackPodcast, on Facebook at Thunderquack, and join us on Discord at Thunderquack.com Discord. Support the podcast by heading to Patreon.com Thunderquack to get early access bonus episodes, and the Thunderquack Perfect 10 pop quiz. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.